0: Hi, everyone. My name is Owen McGabinow and welcome to Process Breakdown Podcast, where I bring on successful entrepreneurs to reveal how exactly they were able to create systems and processes for their businesses, which have now enabled them to literally run their business on autopilot without their constant involvement. And my guest today is Laura Harris. She's the agency owner at Laura Harris Agency. Welcome, Laura it's so nice to be here. So Laura, let's talk about you know, what does your company do and what pain do you solve for your customers?
1: I own an insurance agency, have for 19 years and um, you know unfortunately the insurance agent sometimes we're about as popular as the IRS but <laughs> I guarantee you uh, people are madly in love with us when it comes to claim time so you know it's not always fun to be in the insurance business and certainly people don't grow up wanting to do it but uh, I guarantee you they're happy when it's done right.
0: And I'm, I'm curious, were you part of like, a, were you part of like a franchise or something? Because I thought I saw something about Allstate insurance at one point. Yes, okay.
1: yes, the agency that I, that I own today is an Allstate agency. So I've been 19 years as a franchise owner for Allstate. Okay, I just want to make sure I understood that. And so
0: how many full-time employees do you have?
1: There's eight full-time people in my office today. And Start with me and two people and absolutely no customers though. So it's taken a while, but we've grown.
0: And just so your your, your 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 the listeners know, you're actually based in Canada, but your company is based in uh, Texas, right?
1: Yes, my agency's in Corpus Christi, Texas, right on the water. So we're very familiar with hurricane exposures. Um, I actually spent 15 years there in Corpus Christi, but for the last few years, I have moved to Canada because that's where the cute boy lives. So I married a Canadian and moved <laughs> to Toronto. So um, I, I'm enjoying working remotely, which is fun.
0: Good, and, and I just want to tell the listeners so that they understand what's going on. And so uh, one of the things my, my listeners always ask me is that they want us to understand how, how, in terms of how well your business is doing, uh, what was last year's uh, annual revenue? Um,
1: yeah, we were a little over $750,000 last year, and we're up about 15% from that this year.
0: Great, great. So now let's jump into the interview because you're at the point where you can literally walk away, go to another country, and run your business from another country. But it wasn't always like that. So let's go back to the lowest point of your business and describe how bad it got.
1: Yeah, no, it was really bad. As a matter of fact, when I was originally hired by Allstate to run this agency, um, I was told in Chicago that I was never going to make it because I was no good at sales, which was hysterical. I uh, went back, opened my office, as I said, with two employees and absolutely no customers. And the first year we were so successful that they sent me to San Juan, Puerto Rico for a vacation. That was my payoff trip. Okay. What was really fun was going to San Juan. What was really not fun was realizing that the entire time I was there, I was completely and utterly stressed out. Wow. Because I could not sit and relax for worrying about everything falling apart back at the office.
0: And, and, and did everything fall apart while you were on vacation at a point?
1: It wasn't that bad. I had two employees that were absolutely fantastic, but here's where there was a challenge. What I realized laying on that beach in San Juan was I had created a business that totally and completely revolved around me. So as long as I was in it, I knew it was working perfectly. I mean, it was fantastic. But there were so many things that I realized that only I knew how to do. So sadly, for 100% my own fault, there were lots of things that whenever I was out, no one knew where to find the answers. so I realized that me being present was a requirement in order for that business to be successful, and it was my fault that it was messed up in that way so as can, a big,
0: can you uh, one of the things we try to do in the interviews is you know when we share a point like this, I was trying to give the users like the, the listeners a, a concrete example so what was one thing specifically back even in the vacation back then that I uh, literally could not run because you were not available.
1: Yeah, no, I, I remember it like it was yesterday because I remember sitting on the beach and thinking, oh my gosh, I left Mrs. Smith's file on the top left corner, but I didn't tell anybody where it's at and when she comes in, they're not going to know where to go look. And then so I ran up to the hotel and I called the office and told them where the folder was, had to explain to them what status the folder was in so that they would know exactly what needed to be done when she did come in. I went back to the beach. An hour later, I remembered that a yellow button pops up on our computer when a customer is going to be non-renewed and that no one in the office knew how to handle that except me, and they didn't even know whether or not that was a big deal. Like, could it wait till I got back or not? So I had to go back up to the hotel. This was before cell phones. you know, And (laughs) call the office again and explain to them, by the way, if that yellow button pops up, don't worry about it. The customers that are coming up for non-renewal, I can wait and handle that when I get back. So, you know, it's sad to say, but there were so many things that I was handling and, you know, I wasn't even helping someone else understand how to do it in case I was out. I can't even go to lunch and have a break without being stressed out over whether or not everything's going to fall apart. So
0: it literally took you a vacation to really see, if, you know, like, hey, this, this cannot continue. So at that point you came back, you solved the problem. And so we want to talk about how, you know, how exactly did you solve the problem, you know, what did you do?
1: Yeah. I I got into this business as far as being an entrepreneur very specifically because I thought I would have more time, more money, and more freedom. And what I realized real quickly is I'd created a business that was completely revolving around me, so I had less time, less money, and less freedom because I was stressed out over it. So I had to go back, and I wouldn't have used the word at the time, but now I know what I was doing was actually systematizing everything. Um, I was very intentional about making a list of every single job that existed inside of our office whether it was something I was doing or something someone else was doing and I sat down with my two employees and we took a silly little piece of you know notebook paper and we wrote down every single job that had to take place in that office some of them that were daily, some of them weekly, and some of them only came up once a month but everything made it onto the list and from there we had to stop and say okay now exactly what's the best way to do each one of these processes and the good thing was I included them in creating these best practices so that when it came down to it we weren't arguing while I was gone about whether or not it was really happening that way because we created it together and then the final step had to be putting those things in writing and making sure that every single process was specifically assigned to one person because what I've learned over the years not so much in that first year but certainly after that was Any process can be defined. Any process can be in writing. But if one person doesn't ultimately have the accountability for that particular process, when it comes to things falling through the cracks, everybody thinks that it's not going to be their problem. When there's clarity about exactly who owns it, everyone knows who's going to get in trouble if something doesn't get done on that particular task. So we had to be very intentional about making a list of the tasks, defining those tasks in writing, and then giving clear accountability.
0: And what I like what about I, what you're saying is basically, um, I think I thought I saw on uh, was it the, I was doing some research on you and something about how to build a business where employees think and act like the owners. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, I, I like that. I want to also have us talk about you know how exactly are your employees in your business acting as the owners. And now that we're talking about the you know what you did for uh, to create uh, you know, systems and processes for your business. Can you tell us maybe what was the very first thing you did? You you, you showed us the entire uh, overview of how you went about doing it, but what was the first thing you did? That way we can add some more color to what you just said.
1: Yeah, um, one of the things that I think was an advantage to me is I actually worked for other people for 13 years. So I kind of knew what was the dark side of not being the boss. Um, You know, so one of the first things I had to do when I went back was make sure that everyone in the office understood the importance of the systemization. So sitting down, having meetings, defining things, and using everyone in the office to do that was absolutely crucial. I I also thought it was really crucial when you talk about having employees act like owners, they have to see a very clear vision of how is all of this going to benefit them long term. Because we all are always in the mode of what's in it for me. So what I had to do with my employees, because the first two people I hired both took a cut and pay to come work for me. So I was constantly having to paint a vision of if you hang on long term, I guarantee you, you're going to be real happy down the road. And let me tell you the good news. Five of my employees have been with me over 10 years, including one of the two that I hired when I started 19 years ago still with me. So what I've had to do very intentionally is create a very clear vision of where we're at and where we're going so that everyone understands that, then very intentionally empower the people in the office to understand exactly how their daily tasks fit into that overall vision and make sure that they understand if they ever make a mistake, I'm totally going to back them up, even if they're wrong, because I don't ever want a customer to feel like, Um, I would I put it this way, I would never degrade one of my employees, I don't care how crazy a customer gets. So as long as your employees see the vision, feel empowered, and then you have strong systems in place, they will support you all day long and several of the people that work for me could easily go be their own boss, but they're smart enough to understand they're better off staying with me because I'm going to take really good care of them and they don't have as much stress as I have. So, boy, if you take good care of people long term, that's that's the actual benefit. Is you're creating fantastic jobs, and the good ones don't 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 leave you. The bad employees will though.
0: I, I don't want to beat this point to death, but I'm I'm trying to you know now you, right, but the level where you are right now, you can really you know see the entire full spectrum. But when you came back from the vacation and, and literally the ship hit the fan, I'm thinking to myself, were you thinking about painting the big picture for the person at that, at that point? Were you thinking about? Creating a, a situation where they take ownership—is that the mindset you had when you came back from the? I big had
1: picture? to paint the big picture, but I had to point at me as the problem because the shit did hit the fan. But it was none of it their fault. They were licensed, they were knowledgeable, they were busting their buns. But I hadn't created a system where everyone had access to all of the information. I hate to say it, I was arrogant enough to enjoy being the encyclopedia in the office, (laughs) and if everyone had to come ask me a question, it kind of fed my ego a little bit. Well, what I realized laying on the beach in San Juan, it wasn't feeding my ego anymore. It's not fun when the world revolves around you. So yes, we had to start with very basic things like exactly how are we going to do the deposit, exactly what time are we going to do the deposit, Exactly. I mean, every single detail, detail, detail. So you're right. There's a ton of detail attached to this, but you start with a big list of every single job that must take place. And then what I did is I identified the five that were the absolute most important. So for example, taking money is a deal breaker. I can lose my job over that. The Another one that's a deal breaker for me is claims. I personally follow up on every single claim that's turned in with my office the following day myself. And I've been doing this in business for 30, I've been in insurance for 34 years and I still personally follow up on every claim turned in. So we sat down and defined, okay, what are the most crucial tasks and we tackled those first. And and then another really cool thing was we did a lot of personality testing to find out, okay, now that we've kind of really got this down to a science, who out of the three of us would be the absolute best person to make these claim phone calls? or to call people who don't pay their bills on time. I am not the best person for that, because I have zero patience. So we've we've been able to take every little detail, and you just have to start with one, because if you look at this as a whole, it's overwhelming. It's not overwhelming if you just take what are the two or three most important processes. We're just going to take one this week, because the rest of the world doesn't get to stop. I can't stop doing everything else that must take place but over a period of six months we had everything defined in writing we had every task very clearly assigned to one person and at that point in time oh my gosh when one person's out if I have to do their job because they're out sick for a whole week I don't have to worry about what is it that they do I don't even know in most businesses they don't even know what all that person's doing let alone how they do it which is what allows support staff or employees to get their employers handcuffed. They're completely and totally dependent even on the incompetent ones. Yes. And shame on me if I allow that to happen.
0: And So let me see if I get that correctly. So at, the, at that time when you came, in, the, the easiest way for you to get started was to identify those critical tasks that really required your, your, your attention. And then basically now said, okay, these are the critical tasks that regardless will always require my attention. But then besides that the other tasks that maybe someone else on my team can handle, okay, let's discuss exactly how we're going to uh, have this, you know, how we're going to have you uh, handle the tasks, the steps involved. You and your team member, you and your employees discuss what were the, the tasks, uh, the, uh, the steps involved, and literally you handed that task to one person, say that one person is responsible for it. And you. that's how you started by, you know, documenting that way did I miss something with my uh, That's
1: exactly right, but I want to make a really important point. What normally happens in business is you hire someone, you figure out over the first 30 days what they're good at, you assign all those tasks to them, and then guess who gets to do all of the junk that's left over? you doing so it. So the mindset now is no, 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 no. We figure out what I need to be doing to bring the most to the bottom line.
0: Yeah.
1: The boss first what are the most crucial tasks that that person can do to bring dollars to the bottom line because I cannot be dead weight I have to do something that brings money in so what do I need to be doing first and then the next time I hire someone I make sure I hire someone who can do the things that I shouldn't be doing in the first place so you've really got to start at the top and starting instead of starting at the bottom and assigning jobs and then you get to do you're wearing way too many hats if you do it backwards and I like
0: that too because You know, what you're just essentially saying is, you know, eventually you yourself, the owner of the business, you're going to be the the bottleneck at one point. So if you start by identifying what you should be critically be doing, maybe most likely the income generating activities that bring more revenue, and if you focus on on what those ones are and identify those tasks for yourself, then you're literally removing yourself from everything else and having them take ownership of the things that don't require you, I guess.
1: Yeah, now let me tell you how fun it gets over a period of time. It took me about six years, but by the end of six years, I had every single task assigned to someone else in the office. Definitely. Every single task. So technically, I don't do it, but technically I could be out of that office forever and it would work without me. Now, I don't do it, but I could do that and that makes your business ten times more valuable when it comes time to sell it because it's not dependent on your activities
0: Definitely. and you said one of the things that you know when I asked for specifics about you know how are you able to run the business on autopilot without you being there you said one of the things is that in the last five years technology has been really helpful to your business and let's talk about that for a few minutes what kind of technology do you have in place in your business to help you guys
1: yeah that has been extremely crucial particularly because not only do i work remotely i have uh, the business in texas i live in canada i have an employee that lives in new york and i have an employee that lives in colorado springs yeah. so in order for this to all work there has to be a lot of accountability that's very clear because i can't i'm not going to put cameras in their houses where they work out of. so um and i have to boy it's amazing how when you're in an office sitting there by yourself It's like, okay, i got to keep me focused and motivated (laughs) because nobody can tell if I'm reading a magazine. You know what I mean? So some of the things that we've done, the first thing, and I think it was the most important, is we switched to a voiceover Internet protocol phone. I could not possibly do this job, and it's seamless. My customers don't know that I don't live in Texas. I talk to them all day long, and they have no idea that I don't live there. But it's seamless for them because with the voiceover Internet phone system, the call comes in, I answer the phone. A lot of times. And so they're assuming I'm sitting at a desk in Texas. So, voice over internet protocol has been absolutely fantastic because we all have the ability to see who's on the phone, how long they've been on the phone, who they're on the phone with. I can barge phone calls if I need to to do training. And in addition to that, and I love this feature, every single morning the computer system sends me an email telling me how many incoming phone calls each person took the day before and how many outgoing calls each person made the day before. So talk about heaven. To have the ability to know exactly what everyone's doing, that is absolutely crucial. Our contact management system also does a lot of the same things. It measures like crazy. Because technically, if you can't measure it, it really didn't happen. You know what I mean? I need to know exactly what activities are happening during the day so our CRM system allows me to do the same thing with managing prospects and customers both by measuring activity on a consistent basis Um, I'm also blessed because of this crazy arrangement and it's fantastic for any job our CRM system includes a cloud for our documents so I have every 100 percent of our customer documents are in a cloud I can go to any computer anywhere in the world and pull up the document if I need it for some reason. So I don't have to be sitting in that office in order for things to work. So having those type of capabilities has been huge as far as allowing this business to be very seamlessly managed from a distance um, and keeping it to where everyone knows exactly what they need to accomplish and they get regular feedback on what exactly their results have been. So they can see how am I doing. Definitely. I'm curious
0: what, what tools are you using for the voiceover IP and also the CRM tools? That way my, my listeners can Absolutely.
1: Up. Yeah, no, I am a firm believer in both. I use a company called Finality uh, for the VoiceOver Internet Protocol Systems and they're fantastic and they're international. They're all over the place. Um, I
0: use finality.
1: It's F O N A L I T Y, Um, and I use a system called um, eBridge for the cloud system as far as the documents and stuff like that. And it also handles the uh, the CRM system, so it's um, very very helpful. But anybody can email me if they need more details or contact.
0: Definitely, and so you know, I always try and get guests to assume that like their business is like a conveyor belt. What you have on the other end is the customer being happy getting whatever they they, they they sign up for your service for but on this other end there are a bunch of things that need to happen for them to have the smile on the other hand and you know be happy oh we got what we want can you picture your business like that and walk us through the different like i guess maybe the departments and all that in your business and how you put processes in, in them as quickly as you can that way the the, the listener can put themselves in, in in your shoes and see how the different parts of your business are you know are working together without you even being there
1: yeah, I learned a couple of really huge lessons on this one um, in my business in particular, and I think it's like this with most businesses. There's there's typically a sales aspect of your business, and there's a service aspect of your business. Well, when we first started, I've already told you we had zero customers. So guess what everybody's job was?
0: Marketing. Yeah, sales and
1: marketing. <laughs> sell, 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 sell. sell. So back in the archaic old days, we would get on the phone and telemarket all day long. Now we have search engine optimization and, you know, 70 other things. But, you know, there was nothing but sales when we first started. So it was very easy to keep everyone focused in that one direction. What we realized over a period of time, though, was that once the phone started ringing with service work, the sales started dropping. And at first I thought, well, this doesn't really make sense because it's not like we had thousands of customers at the time. We had hundreds, but, you know, it's not like they call in every day. So it didn't seem like it made sense that we were having such the distraction. But when we would sit down because we sat down every single morning and said, okay, what are we going to work on today? How are we doing? When we would sit down for our morning meetings, one of the things that I noticed over a period of time was sales was going down more than it should have. And the the excuse was always, and I'm using the word excuse not just for them, but for me also. You know, I was really busy yesterday with lots of service work.
0: Okay.
1: We've all heard that in any business. I was really busy yesterday. I had, you know, this paperwork I had to do. I was really busy yesterday, and I don't believe for one minute that anybody I've ever worked with was just, you know, playing tiddlywinks. They were doing something. But what I realized was it's my job to keep the focus so that we don't lose sight of what is not optional which is sales so there was three of us at the time as I said so I stopped and I said okay listen there is plenty of service work but for one person only there's no reason for three of us to be distracted during the day so here's what we're going to do we're going to make a sales department and a service department service department person you are going to be assigned to see into it that we don't ever catch an incoming phone call that we don't ever catch anybody walking in the office our job will be eight hours a day calling 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 and c- closing deals the first day after we made that arrangement me and the other person that were supposed to be doing sales were practically having the shakes because it was so i <laughs> wracking oh, no, because we've gotten out of the habit of doing sales all day long yeah. and it was very distracting because the service person was doing a great job of not letting us have any work And so what I realized in that is we were kind of not being lazy necessarily, but we weren't being focused. So after the first 24 hours, we kind of got focused again on selling, and sales went through the roof. I mean, really, really, really through the roof. So it taught me a lesson that you have to be very careful because distractions can completely ruin any business. So we had to be very intentional about keeping some people that were focused on nothing but bringing in new clients because otherwise we're all doomed if we don't have that happening. But in addition to that, I made a huge mistake because they called them the sales department and the service department. Well, the person handling the service department was talking to customers all day long
0: yeah,
1: and was yes. helping us with sales at all. And what I realized over a period of time, because I kept telling the person in the service department, "Listen, if you notice that we don't have all of their insurance, ask them about the other lines." And it never was happening. And after, seriously, this is terrible to admit. After three years of calling this the service department, hmm. what I did was I changed the language because anytime something's messed up, odds are I have created it. Yeah. We yes. changed it to internal sales, which means their job is to cross-sell existing customers and get business here. And external sales, which means we're responsible for, for go getting new people off the streets. So we had to be very careful not to make it sound like sales isn't everybody's job. Because if you're getting a paycheck, your yeah. Yeah. job is sales. There should never be anyone in any operation unless you're so huge that you have literally minimum wage paper pushers that never speak to a customer. Because they should never be talking to a customer if they're not selling something you know everyone in any business with 15 employees or less in my opinion should be responsible for some level of sales you know what I mean so in my office we changed it to the internal sales department and the external sales department and everyone has specific requirements for the sales so besides the
0: internal sales and external sales and also what well, the other one was the customer service what other uh, parts of your business uh, interact with these with three parts you just mentioned I'm just curious
1: well, and we really don't have to. I'm kind of lucky in that because Allstate does all of the billing directly. I mean, so we do have people in the office that have to do some billing and accounting and things like that. But again, I learned my lesson when I first started, I was doing payroll, I was doing all these things. That's insane. I farm out the payroll, I farm out, I have as much as possible is is farmed out to a third party if I can have them doing it, because we need to be focused on two things and two things only. For my business, that is finding new customers and making the ones that are already with us completely and obsessively aware that they'd be crazy to ever leave us. You know, so, I like that point you
0: just mentioned because what what I hear from that is that you literally figure out what is the core of your business and, and once you've understood what the core of your business was, you literally figure out a way to hand over anything that wasn't Necessarily core of your business, but maybe kind of required to some other party to handle and let them take ownership of it, not necessarily your company. You just focus, your, your company and your employees focus on the real core of your business, is what I get. 150%.
1: You. And if I ever have something like right now, I've got for the last three days, I've had a, a temporary firm bring someone in to do some paperwork, administrative things that doesn't normally happen day to day. If I have something that I can farm out to someone for, you know, Eight to ten dollars an hour, or even fifteen dollars an hour. I'm gonna do it. I can hear you. Um, I work more than that. If I've got a term situation to hire someone, I'll bring a temp bill.
0: Yeah, sorry about that. We had a Skype issue for a minute. Uh, You you were mentioning something about how you can get someone from 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 the outside to come in and do stuff. Uh, Can you give examples of what that would be? Oh, opinion.
1: absolutely. If there's times, uh, for example, if I've got a lot of monotonous uh, computer input or scanning projects or something like that that's not normal day-to-day operations and does not involve talking to my customers, because I'm not going to put crazy people, I, I'm very protective of who's allowed to touch my customers. Uh, if there's admin stuff that I can have someone do but think about it we're in a whole different world there's no filing today any business that's still filing is stupid you know what I mean I mean there's not a lot of admin work there really shouldn't be admin work you should be able to streamline your business so that everything you're doing is either improving customer satisfaction or improving sales everything else you should be farming it out to somebody or getting rid of it completely like filing should be non-existent
0: definitely and so No, we we've covered how you went about coming to the process of now creating systems for your business. But with all things, there was challenges that you experienced initially when you tried to create systems for your business, and trying to figure out what those challenges were. Let's talk about them for a few minutes.
1: Actually, the biggest challenge is falling back into your old habits, because if you're used to doing everything, or if a customer's mad, you're used to taking the call and handling it, and you're used to. It really took a lot of. Uh, intentionality for me to no longer be the center of the universe. I had to spend a lot of time sitting down and educating employees. So every time something came up, here was the rule, if something came up and they didn't know how to do it, I would show them how to do it so that that would never ever happen to be again. And if there was no place where it was in writing, then we would put it in writing. So if it happened to come up again, they know where to find the answer the answer should never be in my brain the answer should always be in writing somewhere on a computer system that's cloud-based so that everyone has access to the answer it should never ever be in my head let me play devil's
0: advocate for a few minutes because like you saying that it should never or, or never be in your head but you in a business where you just mentioned that some people could have literally gone out and started their own oh yeah stop them from literally swiping the whole system that you've built and just going somewhere else and do it on their own
1: they could and they could with my blessings. They're not dumb enough to want the pressure of worrying about, we're constantly having to study the market and understand where the market's going and figuring out how do we need to adapt to that. And if I've, I've purchased three um, small insurance agencies and merged those into my business, I've had to do, I've written checks for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I've had to go to the bank and loan, you know, borrow a million. Who wants that? If you can make a good living, there are, not, there are people who are crazy mavericks like, like us, Okay, got it. But most people just want to be respected in a job and to be paid what they're worth. If you do that, they will gladly let you have your silly name on the sign. They don't want the pressure, they don't want the stress, they want to be treated with respect and, and they want to feel like they're compensated fairly. And so I don't hire crazy mavericks. I'm very 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 careful. I use a company called Ideal Traits to do testing for my employees. And I only hire people who they don't want to be their own boss. They don't want to run the show. They don't be, because as you can tell, if you run a very systematized business, you can't have somebody who thinks they know everything. who's who's wanting to run their own show. But there is no one in my office that couldn't take every single thing we have and go open their own operation tomorrow. But I've already told you, I have very little turnover. And the reason why I don't is because I'm very careful with who I hire. And I hire only people who are going to be loyal to building this business, knowing that I will take care of them. They don't need to have their name on the sign.
0: Definitely. And, and sorry for interrupting you where you were talking about the challenges you were having. I just wanted to play devil's advocate and throw that in and see what you were going to say. And I, and I love your response. And so uh, you talk about how the challenge you were having was going back into the old the old habit. How did you beat that?
1: Yeah, it was it was extremely difficult and more on me than it was on them when we originally started, because when when you've got these these bad habits like I'm picking up the phone you know the second it rings because I'm thinking I'm gonna handle the situation better than anyone else in the office how stupid and arrogant is that you know what I mean so I had to I had to stop myself and say no the person who's handling the service department is going to pick up the phone I'm going to stay focused on what I'm supposed to be doing so it was really hard on me originally but here's what I had to do anytime someone had to come in and ask me a question I would stop and think okay is the answer to that question already in writing? If it is, I just need to show them where it is in writing. If they continue to keep asking me questions when the answers are in writing, I have said this to people's faces. Do you need me to read to you? Because if you can't read, I need to get new employees. Oh, and after about once or twice of having that attitude in your face, instead of coming and asking you the question, they'll research it first. And then if it's really not in writing anywhere, then they know it's okay. It's safe to come in. But in the old days, all of these things were on paper. They weren't on the computer. And I would tell them, if you come into my office, you must have the book in your hands. Oh, you literally had books. So I, books. oh yeah, because 19 years ago, I mean, it was, there was no computer that had all these things in there. So I would tell them, if you come in my office, you must have the book in your hands so that I know you've looked first. And it was so cute because they'd walk in and they'd say, I've looked, I can't find it in the book. Well, now it's all in the computer, so it's much, much, much faster and easier. But it, it was much harder for me to let go of my old habits. They wanted to be knowledgeable. They wanted to feel like they there was nothing. And I tell my customers this all the time. There is nothing I know that they don't know. So if I happen to be on the phone and you call in, I promise you, Whoever answers the phone is going to drop what they're doing and take care of you right that second and they will take care of you exactly the way I would have taken care of you myself.
0: Also, I, I, I mean I, I, I I'm always excited when I meet people who were back in the old days had like literally book manuals on their business. And now people in, today they don't know how good they have it or we don't know how good we have exactly. it. Exactly. But all the internet and everything's all on on the, on the cloud. In your case, when someone comes to you where there's something not literally in the book because it's not been addressed before, what do you then do? Back minor in the day when you had the book, I was just I'm just trying to understand how that. happened.
1: You know, if, it's, if it's something very minor, then you just add it into the computer. It's no big deal. But in a lot of cases, it's actually a new process. Like this is not so, SEO didn't exist 15 years ago. There was we didn't have processes for search engine optimization. So yeah. If As new things come, and they will always come, otherwise I'm getting ready to die, um, (laughs) if I'm not constantly finding new things, we're probably out for, you know, in the long run, we're going to be in trouble. So as we come up with new things that we're having to deal with, the ideal situation is, first of all, try and envision exactly how that would operate perfectly. But don't do it by yourself. Sit down with the people in your, in your agency or business or whatever and sit down and figure out, okay, based on this new thing that we have to do, what's the ideal thing for the customer? Yeah. What's the ideal way for this process to take place? And then we'll define it. And then I'm also real opinionated about taking advantage of other people. I have thousands and thousands of agents that I email on a consistent basis at least once a month. And what I'll do is, particularly with those that I know that are the cuckoo superstars, I've got them on speed dial, and I'll send them an email and say, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing. What do you think? And they'll shoot holes in it and send it back to me and say, well, that sounds good, but it'd be 10 times better if you did it this way. And then the final product goes back to the people in my office, and we say, okay, you know, does this make sense in this format? So, you can't just take advantage of the learning inside your agency or your organization oh my gosh if you're smart enough to connect professionally with others crazy people like you that, that you're giving more than you're taking and then when you create the final product you throw it back at them and say okay this is where we landed you know tell me if i see anything wrong and there's still it's constant improvement i mean you're constantly having to to work on And and one of the things that I still do is I'm constantly going out and visiting business owners, the best of the best. And not just with my company, but with other companies. Because it's like, you know what, I can learn from somebody who's running a furniture company. I can learn from someone who's doing bookkeeping. You know, so um, constantly being aware of who the crazy people are that are thinking outside of the box and taking advantage of that, and then going back into your business and defining it in writing and making sure that... Each one of those things is very specifically assigned to, to one person. But one of the things you asked me earlier was, where do you start? Yeah. Let me tell you the best place anybody can start. First of all, I think everyone should have an employee handbook. It has saved me. I have never paid unemployment once in 19 years. And it is because of my employee handbook and the spy software that I have on my computer. So I can, that's a whole other story. For, <laughs> we, we can have another hour.
0: I, I did not want to even go into that because that's going on another tangent. But go ahead.
1: Yeah, but the place that you have to start is you create a what's not working list. Okay. So we have on the computer our list of operations and how we handle things and all of the step-by-step and assigned and all that other stuff. There is always still going to be things that aren't working ideally, whatever that might look like. And so we literally keep a list of what's not working in the business. Or it's not that it's not working, but it's just not It doesn't feel like it's working as well as it could be working. And we keep the list because I felt like as a business owner, I have to be working at least seven to eight hours a day on things that will make us money immediately. But then I have to be spending at least an hour a day on things that won't make us any money, maybe for three months, six months, or 12 months down the road. And that's where the what's not working list comes in is I'll pull that in and say, okay, which one of these things can I look at and who should I be talking to To figure out how we can tweak it and you know in my case I'm very very blessed to work for Allstate because that company is fantastic I can call Chicago I can I had lunch two weeks ago with the CEO of the company I mean I can talk to someone who is an unbelievable expert and they will help me figure out how to take what's on the what's not working list and figure out how to make it work so if you start with just as you see during the day things that don't seem to be ideal Yeah. Add it to the list electronically in a cloud so that if you think of something at 2 in the morning, you can add another thing to the list. Um, And then you just take, at least once a week, take something off that list and decide we're going to tackle it this week. So the list gets short for a little while and then you have all these great ideas and it gets long again. That's okay. As long as things are coming off. If things don't ever come off, now you're in trouble. (laughs) And
0: I like how, you know, you, you, you start by looking for what's not working and then you prioritize to figure out, okay, what's the one we should, should, we should build a, a system and process for because it's the one that, basically, you know, you go to the emergency room and if you don't literally have a bleeding neck or bleeding hand, they're not going to answer you. So, it's kind of the same way with the, the what's not working, what's really literally making our business bleed. Let's fix that first and you go in there and, and, and build a process for it. But if you don't even understand how to do it, you mention how you go out and look Know, for other, you know, uh, other insurance agencies, or even going outside of your business to other types of fields or businesses to, to see how they're doing it so you can take that idea and come back and work with your team together to build uh, a process for it. I, I like that. Did, did, I, did I miss something by summarizing that way?
1: No, I, I actually think that's wonderful. That The only thing I didn't make a point of is make sure that when you're having your office meetings, whether it's daily or weekly, mm-hmm. your staff are able to add to the what's not working list because a lot of times they see things that aren't working that you don't.
0: How so? Can you, can you give us an example of maybe how that happened in your business?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, um, here's the thing. If I'm focused primarily, like for myself in my office, I'm very seldom doing um, external sales anymore. So I'm not normally looking for green customers off the street. I've got a whole team of people that do that all day long. So if something was falling through in the software that they're using, for example, I don't even use it on a daily basis. So if there was something that we need to tweak, or uh, another good example, just today, I had somebody who was um, offering uh, to have us use their software, and there was one functionality in it that I didn't feel like was going to work ideally in our office and I told them I'd love to use your software but you have to fix this first and let me tell you that company said okay is there anything else that's a deal breaker for you because we want you to be using our product and and sometimes I think we kind of feel like we have to settle for Mm -hmm. what things look like off the shelf or the way things are you know for example even with the company that we represent and it's like no if it's stupid and it's broken
0: yeah
1: Anyone should have the ability to say it's stupid, it's broken. And if I can't fix it, if I have to you know find it software out there that can, or a person who's way higher up on the chain in allstate than me that can, um, that's okay for every single person in the office. But I have to give them permission because leaders are typically very domineering. and as you can tell, I am very domineering. So I have to make sure that they know I need them to tell me what's broken.
0: Yeah, sorry about that. My I forgot to turn on my speakers. No details. problem. <laughs> uh, it's a very important uh, thing you mentioned on how you open that feedback loop because literally your employees are on the ground doing the work, and you, since you are not really working at the same level with them, they get to see more about things that need to be fixed. And maybe how best can. Listen. Listen to this. Really open up that feedback loop so, so that the employees can keep bringing back ideas to them on what to improve in in their
1: system. Anyway. A lot of employees will automatically do it in a group meeting. No problem. Mm-hmm. What you have to do though is realize who is and who isn't. Yeah. So, for example, you know, introverts kind of get run over by all those external crazy you know people yeah. who are aggressive so sometimes what I'll do if I realize that there are certain people who are just not speaking up probably because those of us who are so extroverted are, yeah. um, is pull those people in separate and bring them into my office and shut the door and say listen you know what I need you to tell me frontline on the streets what can we be doing better and if they say nothing I say you know what I know I kinda like surprised you here so I'm going to give you 24 hours to think of one or two things that we could be doing better, and then tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, you can come back in and we'll talk about it again.
0: I like that. I like because how nothing is
1: never a good answer. They're seeing things that need to be better, but I have to give them permission to talk, and I have to not allow them to not talk.
0: In your book, you mentioned something that I, I like. I should put it in a quote. You say, "Micromanage processes, don't micromanage people." What do you mean by that?
1: I, I do a lot of, of professional speaking, and I was speaking uh, to a group in Seattle, Washington, years ago. And I was actually going out for the third or fourth time, and uh, someone that is in that particular area who'd hired me multiple times had gotten a phone call from someone else who had never hired me before, and and that third party called me and said, "She says you're a micromanager." And having been an employee for other people for 13 years, that word is very offensive to me. Because the way I look at it, micromanage means that I'm looking over your shoulder, that I'm not allowing you to have creative thoughts, that I'm constraining you. And it, it really bothered me. And I started to call the lady who used those words, and I thought, no, 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 calm down. And so I thought about it for a couple of days and I thought, you know, she knows I'm very system and process oriented. She knows every desk in our office is organized identically. So if I sit down at your desk by where something is sitting, I know what stage it's in. There's none of this, you know, it's up there and I got to tell people what to do. If it's sitting in the top left corner, I know what, it's, what we're waiting for. So what I realized after a couple of days of pouting and feeling really bad in my pity party was, <laughs> I don't micromanage people, I micromanage processes. So that people feel the freedom to make decisions, do what's right, and even make mistakes and know that I will back them up 100%. So that's why creating systems and having things in writing is so important and having very clear accountability. Everyone has a list of what we call our goal sheets, which these are the processes that they own. Yeah. And they know if one of those processes falls through the cracks they're going to be in trouble. But I don't check with them every day and say did you do that today? Because they know they're responsible for it. They know how to do it. They know exactly what the expectations are. I I will spot check everyone. You know, just to make sure things are happening right, but I don't babysit anyone ever. So it's important to, to not be uh, constraining people, but to create systems so that people have freedom. But what happens when
0: the, the, the argument where someone will say, by, you know, being so, uh, by micromanaging the processes, right, you're not allowing people to have that creative freedom? What would you say to that kind of argument?
1: That was easy. They're helping create the process. No, but the thing is think about say, it, if they're sitting down and defining this is how we're going to do it, this is what we're going to do, they're part of creating the processes that will take us from where we're at to where we need to be going. So they know exactly what success looks like. We start in January and we know exactly what we have to do in order to be successful by December. Then we define what processes have to take place and they know exactly how each process that they're doing ties into that final goal. Yeah. So they're not just doing something to be doing it. They know how that impacts the final goal. So if they're helping to create the, the process itself and exactly how it's going to take place, I couldn't say they agree with me 150% of the time. Of course, that would be stupid and naive. Yeah. But they know that we have sat down together and figured out what success needs to look like and sometimes I have to make the hard decisions but very 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 seldom do they not feel like they have input it almost probably 99 percent of the time we as a team make decisions that are hundred percent unanimous every once in a while I just have to make a decision that's a hard one mm-hmm. even if people don't agree but that's very unusual and
0: even I think when you, by your answer I just realized something that you know, that anyone who asked that question okay if I create procedures for everything it removes the creativity part from my employees. But then by your answer and the the way you structure, the way you give your employees ownership, the mere fact that they are helping to build the systems, the procedures for your business, taking it from the level where it is to the next level based on their input and their feedback, they are being creative. Completely. You're following that creative juice in them, I guess.
1: That's part of expecting them to act like business owners. Definitely. I'm not the center of the universe anymore you know we as a team have to sit down and figure out how are we gonna get from where we're at to where we're going we have to have a very clear vision we have to empower everyone in the office and we have to have systems in place if those three things happen we will get there Definitely. but I think that improves their ability to be creative because they're part of creating the processes and once the processes are created I stay out of their way
0: definitely and so now we understand the power in you know creating uh uh, procedures and systems for your business. We understand the, the, the reason why you need to empower your employees to be part of it because it helps them to uh, foster their own creativity but there's this part where it's like you know, what you don't track and measure you, 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 you can't improve so what, what exactly do you track in your business?
1: Yeah we have a, a what we call a critical variables form which in the insurance business there's only two things you ever need to measure how much did you sell And how how many of your customers did you retain? So back to the sales department, the the external sales and the internal sales department, which is holding on to customers and building that customer base, those are the only two things we really need to measure. Now, the critical variable sheet gets into a little more detail than that because, for example, we'll look at claims to see how many claims have we had overall.